Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord. Before we get into this this morning, I just want to ask you, do you want to be my favorite service? Or is the second service going to be my favorite service? Is this going to be the lively bunch or is this going to be the dead bunch? All right. Well, I'm going to be paying attention and we're going to see. All right. So, uh, anyway, we'll see, won't we? All right. Let's look uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter number 13 this morning. The book of Matthew, chapter number 13. We're going to start reading with verse number 3. We're going to read verses 3 through 9, and then we're going to jump down to verse number 18, all right? So, Matthew chapter number 13, begin reading with verse number 3. The Bible says that he, Jesus, spoke many things to them in parables, say parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And in verse number 18, Jesus explains the parable. He says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. And this is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places... This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches Choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Father, I just thank you one more time today for your incredible, incredible word. What a blessing it is to our lives. God, I just pray today, Lord, as we endeavor, Lord, to, to unfold the Word of God and share the Word of God today. God, first of all, I pray that you will give us ears upon our heart today to hear and receive this Word today. God, I pray that an incredible anointing will be upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, we pray. Father, I pray that when we leave this room today, Lord, we will have learned something, we have, will have gleaned something new, and we will be reminded of some things that perhaps we just need to be reminded of. Father, I just pray your will be done in this service for the glory of God. We ask in Jesus' name, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. <clears throat> 
are in week five of our series I'm calling Pearls from the Parables. Now, the literal translation of the word parable is placing beside. It means placing beside. That's what parable means. It means placing beside. It means to make a comparison side by side. And that's what Jesus would do in his ministry. Jesus would tell a story or a parable to place beside or to compare truth side by side. This parable or story that Jesus would tell would illustrate and illuminate the thought or the lesson that Jesus was trying to get across, that Jesus was trying to convey. Our parable for today for today is the parable of the sower. So let's look into this parable this morning. Let's see if we can find some pearls from this parable. The first thing I want us to discover is this morning, I want us to discover the contributors in this story. The contributors in this story. First of all, we have the seed. We have the seed. Now, the seed is God's Word. I don't think we fully understand. I don't think that we fully appreciate the value of God's Word. I don't think we understand how blessed we are to to have a copy of the Word of the living God. That that, that we can refer to, that that we can feed ourselves with, that, that can nurture us, that we can enjoy on a daily basis. I don't think we fully understand and appreciate the incredible value of the Word of the Lord. You see, God's Word contains the answers to all of our problems. Answers to all of our questions. It feeds us when we are spiritually hungry. It offers comfort for us when we need it. It provides wisdom for every single situation of our life. And the list goes on and on and on and on. I want to take just a moment this morning and just simply mention three things about the Word of the Lord. Three things about God's Word. First of all, it's a purifying Word. God's Word is a purifying Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 says, God chose the preaching of His Word to save those who believe. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 26 says, Sanctification comes through the washing of the water by the Word. God's Word is a purifying Word. Let me me ask you this this morning. How many times has the Holy Spirit used God's Word to convict and bring to light something in your life that wasn't right? I cannot tell you how many times people have come to me following the service and have asked me, Pastor, do you have a camera? Do you have a recording device in my house? Because the message that you preached this morning, it was like that you had been at my house all all week watching and taking notes and then getting up on Sunday and exposing everything that happened in my house during the following week or the previous week. Pastor, if you bugged my house. Well, I haven't bugged your house, but let me tell you that the Holy Spirit knows everything. 
He knows everything. And He will use the Word of God to purify us. He will use the Word of God to correct us. He will use the Word of God to chastise us. But not only is God's Word a purifying Word, it's also a preventive Word. A preventive word. Psalm 119 and 11, the psalmist said, Your Word I have hidden in my heart so that I might, I might not sin against you. See, see, God's Word not only helps us recover once we've messed up, but it helps prevent our mess-ups. See, see, here's what we need to understand this morning. People who operate on biblical principles of financial management don't usually go broke. Three amens. When a husband and wife... Both of them follow God's guidelines for marriage outlined in His Word. They don't very often get divorced. See, God's Word is a manual for living. It's like the owner's manual of an automobile. And if we would maintain our lives with daily maintenance as recommended in the Word of the Lord, God's owner's manual, our lives would run far more smoothly. But you see, it's when, we, it's when we fail to follow the instruction of God's Word, it's then that our lives get into trouble. But not only is God's Word a purifying Word, not only is it a preventive Word, but it's also a powerful Word. Powerful Word. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, The Word of God is alive and powerful. It, it is sharper than any, or sharper than the sharpest sword. It, it cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Let me tell you that there is nothing more powerful than the word of the Lord. In Matthew chapter number four, where Jesus experienced his wilderness temptations three times, the devil tempted Jesus, and every single time, all three times, Jesus responded the very same way. And he responded to the enemy, it is written. It is written. It is written was what was his weapon of choice. Jesus defeated the devil all three times with the weapon of the Word of God. The Word of God is a powerful weapon. It works every single time. So let me challenge you this morning. The next time that Satan comes at you with one of his lies, come back at him with truth. Come back at him with truth. The truth of the powerful Word of God. So if the Word of God is powerful, if it is an incredible weapon that we can use to defeat the devil every single time, it would behoove us to know what the Word of God says. Amen? Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. All right, right now we're talking about the contributors in this story today. There's the seed, which is God's word. Then there's the sower. The sower. Now, the sower is God's messengers. Jesus said, a sower went out to sow. We need to understand that all of us, are sowers. All of us are sowers. All of us are God's messengers. Let me suggest two things about the sower. First of all, we're commanded to sow. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, you're commanded to sow. Jesus said in Mark 16 and 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every single person. In light of what Jesus said in his word, let me ask you this this morning. How long has it been since you sowed any seed? Here's what's sad. If you discover a new restaurant that you really, really like, or you go see a movie that's really, really, really good, you tell people about it, right? Man, man, I was eating the other day. It says, man, you ought to go try their whatever, man. man it is awesome. It is incredible, man. Man, I mean, we, we share with everybody. Man, I mean, we talk to people at work about it. We, we talk to our family about it. We tell our friends about it, man. We, we might even tell somebody uh, uh, in the checkout line in the grocery store. Man, we're excited, man. We found a new place to eat. And, you know, goodness, you know, well, there's just nowhere to eat, you know. Little running joke with my wife. Every time we see a new building go up, my wife says, I wonder what that is. I said, Man, I hope it's someplace to eat because there's just nowhere to eat around here. <laughs> sure enough, nine times out of ten, it's a place to eat or a bank. <laughs> hey, God is amazing, is He not? Is God amazing? Has God blessed you? Has God ministered to you? Has God changed your Life, man, God is so amazing. His word is filled with life-changing truth. Well, let me ask you then, so why aren't we telling anybody? If we're telling everybody the latest place we went to eat or the latest movie that we went to see or the latest place that we found to go on vacation and party and have a good time with, amen, when God has totally revolutionized and changed our life, why are we not telling somebody about it? Why are we not sowing some seeds in the life of people? Sower is commanded to sow. But not only is, the, is he commanded to sow, he is also compensated for sowing. Psalm 126 and 5 said, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 11 says, God says, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. How many believe that the seed of the word of God, amen, can grow, and the seed of the word of God planted in somebody's life, amen, can totally change a person's life? See, I think we don't have a clue as to the rewards that are waiting on us in heaven. I don't think we have a clue as to the impact the seeds of the Word of God that we sow are having on the life of people. Lately, I've been hearing from people I pastored several years ago. A couple weeks ago, I'm sitting in my office, the phone rings, and it's a and it's a young man that I pastored uh, uh, 35 years ago. Lately, I, I've been having, I've been hearing from people I, I pastored years ago who have said to me, you'll never know the influence that you had in my life. 
Just last week, a former staff member from over 20 years ago came by my office. He lives in Louisiana, but he was coming to the Metroplex for a surgery. And he asked if he could come by and see me. He wanted to see me, wanted to see the, the building that, that we built. And, and he asked if he could come and see me. I said, absolutely. And, and, and he came by. He's a pastor now. He was my youth pastor 20 years ago. He's a pastor now in Louisiana. And he told me, he said, people ask me, well, you know, why are you doing this the way you're doing this? Why are you doing this? And he said, I just do. He said, pastor, he said, I just do what I remember seeing you do. The seeds that I sowed into his life have grown and are now producing fruit. Hey, what a joy it is. What a joy it is to be a sower, to sow the seeds of God's Word into the lives of those who desperately need it. Let me, let me challenge you this morning. Never stop sowing the seed of God's Word. A little here, a little there. He, even, even when you don't see any results, keep sowing the seed. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 says, Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Verse number 9 said, let us not grow weary while doing good. He could also say it like this, let us not grow weary while sowing seed. Because in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I'm telling you, maybe you don't see anything right now. Well, that's the thing about the seed. You put it in the ground and you don't see anything immediately. You don't see anything for quite a while. But you don't pull it up and look and see if everything's okay. No, you leave it in the ground. You might water it. You might put a little fertilizer on it. Amen. But you trust and you believe that you have planted the seed and in time you're going to reap a harvest. Let me tell you, if we will continue to plant the seed of the Word of God in the heart of people, amen, if we will be a faithful sower, amen, God will time give us the harvest I'm thinking of an elderly couple whose son walked away basically walked away from them and definitely walked away from God over 30 years ago daily this old couple have sown tears in prayer for their son for years daily They have sown tears of prayer for their son. For over 30 years, they have sown seeds of God's Word for him. And may I tell you that just now is he showing some signs that those seeds are taking root and beginning to grow. We're still talking about the contributors in this story. There's the seed, there's the sower, and then then there's the soil. The soil. Now the soil in this parable represents man's heart. The sower sows the seed of God's word into man's heart. So let let me suggest three things about man's heart. First of all, our hearts are reviewed. Our hearts are reviewed. First Chronicles chapter number 28 and verse 9. The Bible says the Lord searches all hearts. And understands all the intent of its thoughts. And Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says God's word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
And 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 7 says, Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, man can be fooled. God cannot. Here's what I've discovered. Things are not always as they appear to be. See, when everybody's getting all goo-goo-ga-ga over something, you know, I, I, I've lived long enough to know it's not really that way. Uh, necessarily, it might be, but not necessarily. Things are not always as they appear to be. People know how to do the song and dance, don't they? Some are really good at playing the chameleon. You know, the chameleon lizard that can change colors to blend in. There's a lot of chameleon Christians, masters of deception. They can blend into any environment. Man, they, they, they know how to run with the world and, and, and pretend to walk with God at the very same time. They're like the Laodicean church in Revelation 3. They appear on the outside. Oh, they appear to be rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing. But oh, on the inside, they're actually wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's the way the, the Laodicean church, Jesus said, you see yourself as rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing, but I see you as wretched, poor, miserable, blind, and naked. What was happening? They were, they, were, they were looking at what was on the outside, but Jesus was looking at what was on the inside. And there's a vast difference so often on what we see on the outside and what's really going on on the inside. I don't know, maybe somebody is here today and you look pretty good on the outside. Some of you are kind of marginal in that area too. Just kidding, keep me awake. Some of you look pretty good on the outside. Uh, Oh, but when God looks down into your heart, uh, oh, he sees some things that ought not be there. Oh, maybe he sees the root of bitterness in your heart. Maybe he sees lust in your heart. Maybe there's jealousy that he sees in your heart. Maybe there's unforgiveness in your heart. I, I don't know what it is this morning, but God is looking today. And what is it that he is seeing on the inside? I, all I know is what I can see. All I know is what you will let me and allow me to see. But God looks beyond the outward and God looks in the inward and God looks in the heart. And he sees what's going on on the inside and in the heart of man. Understand this this morning, whatever is in your heart is seen by God. Notice something else about our heart. Our hearts should be regulated. Our hearts should be regulated. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, I want to read that again. I want you to listen. Because, you know, we just have a tendency to just look at a scripture or just read a scripture or hear a scripture. I want, listen, I want you to put your, put your ears on right now. Get, put your ears on. You got your, how many has got your ears on? Proverbs 4 and 23. Guard your heart above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. It's all about your heart. Hey, if our heart determines the course of our life, then we should regulate and monitor what goes into it. Daily when I pray, I include in my prayer this segment. 
many things that I make sure that I pray every single day. And when I'm praying my prayer every daily, I, I, I include in this prayer this segment. I pray, God, God, strategically position angels around my heart. Guardian angels to stand guard over my heart. Warring angels that will war against any improper or immoral thing. Oh, that the enemy of my heart would try and put in my heart. You see, I don't want anything in my heart that that, that could uh, negatively affect my relationship with God. I, I don't want anything to get in my heart that could hinder me from finishing strong. Listen, I am determined that I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to finish strong as a man. I'm going to finish strong as a husband. I'm going to finish strong as a daddy, as a grandpa. I'm going to finish strong, amen, as a leader. I'm going to finish strong as a pastor. And I know that if I'm going to finish strong, if I'm really going to finish strong, then I cannot allow anything to get in my heart that doesn't belong there. You see, I've seen too many people get tripped up just before they cross the finish line. It's not just about starting the race, and it's not just about running the race. It's about finishing the race. And for me, it's not just about finishing the race where I stumble across the finish line. I don't want to stumble across the finish line. I want to go across the finish line with my chest out and my head up, not in pride, no, no, but finishing strong. We need to regulate and monitor and guard our heart very, very carefully. One more thing about the heart. Our hearts can be renewed. Oh, I love this verse, Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26. God says, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. And I will give you a tender, responsive heart. And we've all seen God do this, haven't we? We've all seen God do this. We, we've seen God all take some of the roughest, some of the most mean and wicked and vile people. Oh, their hearts were so hard and so calloused and so cold. Oh, but God touched their heart with His gentle spirit. How when God touches their heart with His gentle Spirit in a moment's time, I mean in a moment's time, they are totally and completely changed from the inside out. Even their countenance changed as what God did on the inside begins to manifest itself on the outside. Psalmist David understood this. And so after his affair with Bathsheba and after he had her husband killed and after Nathan the prophet put his bony little finger in David's face and said, you're the man and called him out on his sin. David cried out to God in Psalm 51 and 10, go create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Maybe you're here today and you're like David was. Oh, oh, you once walked with God and, and, and you and God were tight. Oh, but you've allowed Satan to deceive you. Oh, you've allowed him. him. Oh, you have opened the door of your heart to him and have, and have allowed him to slip in. And today your heart is far from God. That's the bad news. That's the bad news. The good news is God is in the renewal business and he can renew your heart and he can wash your heart in the blood of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he can make it white as snow and he can make it new again. 
Isaiah 1 and 18, though your sins are like scarlet, they can be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they, should be, they shall be as wool. Talking about the contributors to this story. The contributor to this parable that Jesus told are threefold. First of all, there's the seed. Seed is the word, God's word. Second, there's the sower. The sower represents God's messengers. And third, there's the soil. The soil is man's heart. Second thing I want us to look at in this parable is this. The consequences in this story. consequences in this story. Notice first the shallow ground. Shallow ground. Verse 19. When anyone hears the word and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. I've described these kinds of people as experience only. Experience-only kind of people. Now, now, let me tell you, it's great. It's great to have an emotional experience with God. And you women, you're, you're emotional beings. That's the way God made you. Now, remember, He didn't make us that way. So don't think that just because we're not crying and weeping and getting this knot rag, that we're not getting touched. Because we just get touched different ways. And you need to understand that. My wife always, I want more. I'm, more what? what, what you, I, don't, I don't grasp. I don't understand. More tears? More snot? Why? <laughs> it's great to have an emotional experience with God. Listen, listen. I love it when the Holy Spirit touches my emotions so much that even my toes tingle. But we cannot live on emotional experiences alone. Youth camp experience is not realistic. It's valid. It's great. Glad I had them. Probably wouldn't be here today without it. But it's not realistic. We must move from experience to a relationship. See, feelings are fickle. See, I don't feel towards my wife today the way I felt toward her 43 years ago. I feel for her. I have feelings for her. Incredible. There are greater feelings, but they're different feelings. They're different kinds. Feelings are, are fickle. Feelings will lie to you. Feelings eventually subside. Here's what I've learned. God seems to give us more feelings when we are babes in Christ. And the longer that we serve Him and the deeper that we go in our relationship with Him, the less often He provides the feelings. The Word says we walk by faith and not by sight. I don't think we would do this word any injustice to also say that we walk by faith and not by feelings. Some of you need to get a hold of that. See, if you're depending on feelings alone in your walk with God, you're going to be up and down like a yo-yo. Listen, there are too many Christians that are spiritually bipolar. They're either swinging from the chandeliers and jumping pews and looking at you like, why aren't you doing it? 
Or the same person you find rolled up in a ball in a fetal position, sucking their thumb an hour later. May I borrow a saying from the Apostle Paul? My brothers and sisters, these things ought not so to be. Experience only Christians only know shallow ground, and they are no match for the enemy. They experience a spiritual high at church, but once they come down off of that spiritual high, they have no substance to sustain them, and the enemy snatches the seed out of their heart. The second one is the stony ground. The stony ground, verse 20. And 21, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. I describe these kinds of people with the phrase unrealistic expectations. See, these people think that that becoming a Christian guarantees them smooth sailing on the sea of life. They believe that Jesus will solve all of their problems and Jesus will provide them with everything they ever wanted and everything they ever dreamed of. They seem to get Jesus and Santa Claus mixed up. They fly high for a little while, man. And when they're flying high, they're flying high, man. They witness to all of their friends. And they wear WWJD bracelets and I love you Jesus t-shirts. And they've got Christian bumper stickers stuck all over their bumpers. And they jump and shout and dance about in service. And man, they jump in with both feet for a while. As long as the road is nice and smooth and easy. Oh, but the moment they hit a bump in the road, and oh, the moment they don't get exactly and precisely what they think that God is, is supposed to give them, oh, when the smallest problem arises in their life, they are nowhere to be found. Hear this this morning. God has not promised us a problem-free life. John 16 and 33 says, in the world you will have tribulation. God hasn't promised us a problem-free life. He has promised us His help. Psalm 46 and 1 says, God is our refuge and He is our strength and a very present help in trouble. I must move quickly. Notice the next one, the snared, the snared ground. Verse 22. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and care and the cares of this world and the and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. My description of these kinds of people is neglected soil. Neglected soil. These people also do good for a while. I mean, they are really, really 
trying to serve God, man. I mean, they are faithful to church, man. They come back on Wednesday night and get plugged in in a cultivation class to study the Word of God, man. I mean, they are reading their Bible on a regular basis. They're praying on a regular basis, man. They're paying their tithe. Man, they are walking the walk, not just talking the talk. They are making great strides in their personal relationship with God. But very slowly, It happens very slowly. It's not abrupt. It's not quick. It happens very, very slowly. Not all at once. Little by little by little, they began to allow themselves to become sidetracked. They lose their focus. They begin to slip back. Many, many causes. It might be overtime at work. It might be illness, it might be sickness or disease in a family member. It might be a new hobby. It might be a new relationship. Whatever it is, you start seeing them less and less. And when they do come to church, they come in late and they leave early. It's a process. I've seen it over and over. I can tell you who it is. They stop coming on Wednesday nights. Their tithing becomes sporadic. If they're there once a month, they start criticizing. It's a process. They start criticizing, they start nitpicking. You see, unattended soil will be overtaken by weeds. Neglected soil causes once rich, fertile, productive soil to become useless and unproductive. Matthew 13 and 23, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Notice the last one. The sacred ground. The sacred ground, verse number 23. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. I call this nurtured and tended soil. Seed, friend, that is planted in good soil and well attended will produce a bountiful harvest. If we could get the musicians and singers back in place this morning very quickly, very quietly, please. I believe this parable gives us the formula for a fulfilling and successful life. Let me tell you three things about this parable this morning that that I believe give us a formula for a fulfilling and successful life. Number one, learn to appreciate 
and value the seed. Let, let me say that like this. I meant to say it like this way. Learn to appreciate the value of the seed. Learn to appreciate the value of the seed. Remember, the seed is God's Word. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad this morning, put condemnation on you. I'm, just, I'm trying to challenge you, motivate you, help you to understand the value of the seed. If I were to ask you this morning, how many of you value the seed? Every hand would go up. The only ones that wouldn't raise their hands are the rebellious that won't raise their hand for anything the pastor wants them to raise their hand for. How many would like for the pastor to give you $1,000? No. If I ask you how many of you value the seed, every hand would go up. And yet statistics tell us you're doing nothing seed you're not reading it you're not studying it you have it placed in the right place so that on Sunday morning when you're about late for church you know where it's at it's right there where you left it last Sunday when you came home from church And if it's not there, you're mad. Where's my Bible? Who moved my Bible? I put it here last Sunday up for church. Hello? Testing. One, two, three. I wonder which one is going to be my favorite service. Learn to appreciate the value of the seed. The seed is God's Word. Read it. Study it. Apply it. It will save your life. We give you fill-in-the-blank outlines every single Sunday. You shouldn't just fill those out and throw them in the trash. You ought to have them somewhere. So that when you're going through something, you say, you know what, I'll be a pastor preached on that. You can go through that real quickly and you can find some. Oh, wow, this helps me. Number two, learn to appreciate and value the sower. Learn to appreciate and value the sower. Be very, very selective in who you allow to sow into your life. That's good. Don't be rude. Don't be unkind and say, you don't qualify, you can't sow it. No, you know, if they don't qualify, just let them be the people. It comes in here, it comes out there. But you're still nice and you shake your head and when they walk away, you go. And understand that you too are a sower. Become purposeful in your sowing. Sow into prepared soil. See, all soil is not all alike. I don't know anything about farming. I would starve to death if I had to farm. I don't know. But I do know that all soil is not the same. And I also know that you prepare the soil before you plant. And so understand that you too are a sower and be purposeful in your sowing. Sow into prepared soil. Become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to fertile soil, soil that He has already prepared for you to sow into. And then number three, protect and prepare your soil. Guard your heart. Keep your heart clean. Keep your heart pure. Ask God to send the right sowers to sow seeds into your 
Can we stand in his presence this morning, please? Father, I thank you for this word today. Not talking about my sermon, I'm talking about the true word of God. God, I just pray today, Lord, that seeds will have been planted in lives and in hearts today. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed all over this room this morning. Wow, this looks good in here. It really does. How many of you this morning, as no one is looking around, how many of you this morning would lift your hand? As you lift your hand, what that is saying is this. It is saying by lifting your hand, you are saying, I've neglected my soil. My heart needs some attention. I've neglected my soil. My heart needs some attention. I'm not going to go into detail what that might mean. You know what it means to you. Can I see your hand all over this room? God bless you and you. And you lift them up real high and wave them at me. God bless you. How many others this morning? I've neglected my soil. I've neglected my soil. I need, my heart needs some attention this morning. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. How many of you would respond to this this morning by lifting your hand? I want to become a purposeful sower. I want to become a purposeful sower. Can I see your hand? I want to sow into people's lives on purpose, into soil that the Holy Spirit has prepared for me to sow God's Word into. I'm not sowing my philosophy, not sowing my thoughts. I'm sowing the Word of God. God bless you. God bless you.